Okay, evening all. Welcome to Sport and Arium. Um, it's Sports Talk with Randall and Treaders. Uh, on tonight's show, we're talking Premier League, international rugby, and the big fight on the weekend. Um, okay, Premier League first. Um, biggest game of the weekend's got to be Chelsea against Spurs. Um, we've got a couple of fans on tonight. Um, we've got Carl, he's a Chelsea fan, uh, making his case for uh, a Chelsea win on the weekend at home, uh, the game on Sunday. Uh, and uh, Paul Pico, he's a Spurs fan, telling us uh, how Spurs are, how Spurs are actually top of the league after nine games. Um, that's probably the uh, the biggest question of the uh, of the evening. Uh, later on in the show, we got Wayne from America. He's a he's a Leeds fan. He coaches football out in the states. He's going to give us his insight into the Leeds Everton game. Um, we've also got Steve. He's a uh, Palace fan. Um, again, after their clash on uh, well, they lost tonight, so. Uh, He'll be talking about that on their game on the weekend against uh, Newcastle. And then we move on to the uh, the big game on the weekend, Wales against England in the uh, in the rugby. I'm sure that um, you guys will have your thoughts on that as well. And then finally as well, me and Treaders will be talking about the uh, the two fights on the weekend, Dubois against uh, Joe Joyce. And then the, uh, the Battle of the Ages with the 50-odd-year-old Tyson fighting against Roy Jones Jr., which... Uh, I don't know. To me, it's a bit of a bit of a farce, but we'll have a chat with that, about that as well. Okay. First of all, we'll talk to Carl. Welcome, Carl. How, how are you doing? Dave, how are you doing? Mate? Yeah, good. Good, good. Um, right, Chelsea. Both both sides. Uh, they've had a good start to the season. Um, obviously, Chelsea are in. Uh, is it third after after the Liverpool game? They dropped down a place. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, so. Um, What's a guy down in South Wales supporting Chelsea? What's the story? Um, well, my father, he followed him when he was young and um, kind of just got into it that way. He used to go to Stamford Bridge with his uncle when he was about 15, 16. Right. Um, yeah, I just kind of followed suit, really, and just um, just, just, just fell in love with the Blues, really. Um, he, my father had Tourette, so he didn't. He never actually took me to Stamford Bridge, but um, was soon as I could go on my own, really, I was, I was kind of up there. I'm not a season ticket holder, so, yeah. So, have you carried on with the swearing then? I remember playing against <laughs> your... I remember playing against your own man. He was an opening bat. I remember playing against him up in um, Copperworks many, many years ago. Obviously, we spoke about this when you came up to Birmingham um, last year. Um, so, was it was he an avid avid fan then? He went up a lot, or...? Yeah, I, I, probably before me and, me and my brothers, he went up. Uh, quite regular, I think, but um, I think as soon as, as soon as the kids came along, they kind of stopped and bit of a bit of an armchair supporter more than any then. But uh, but yeah, I try to go up as much as I can. Obviously, it's, it's not cheap traveling up back and forth in London. But um, no, 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 no. But it's uh, I can't wait to get back. To be honest. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, right, they haven't they haven't lost a game since the twentieth uh, of September, um, and that was probably down to the red card in the first half for Christiansen. They haven't conceded a goal in seven games. What what's happened to their defence? Is it is it purely Silver joining his influence and Zuma having a yeah. good start? Or I th- yeah, a lot of it. Um, the, again, when you bring someone like Thiago Silver in, hmm. it, he's just world class, and and then others just kind of follow suit. Um, obviously, Frank's had a bit of a shuffle around with his with his coaching team, right? Um, so I think that's that's kind of helped as well with the defence. So. But yeah, just in general, again, clean sheets just builds confidence. Mendy in, in goal is just, he's, 
I mean, is he six foot five, six foot six? He just, I mean, just dominates the control. Yeah, he just dominates, and that just gives the back four a real boost. Then I think. Well, I think he's your best player. I think he's your best signing from the from the summer, Mende. I think he's, I think he's changed everything. Yeah. Oh, well, I, again, everyone was out. I mean, Kepa. I, I never like to diss any any kind of player, but Kepa, he just. Just doesn't do it. It's seventy million pound. Obviously, it's probably not fair on him to be honest. Do you know what I mean? No. Um, like he's come in, he's done, he's done a job, but yeah, Mendy is just a different kettle of fish. As you said, his confidence, isn't it, with the with the defence? You look always with Kepper. It's there's the question mark. There's always that question mark. It's to be fair, the last not not this season so far, but last season. De Gea with United, it was the same question mark. Is there going to be a game where he, you know, he fumbles and concedes a couple of goals? But yeah, you're right, Treads, with uh, with Mendy. Um, also, obviously, in defence, you've had Chilwell come from uh, Leicester. Yeah. He's, 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 he's even been scoring goals from defence. He looks like he's had a really good start, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, again, he, he had some really good games with Leicester, but I think towards the end of last year, he had an injury and he wasn't quite the same, but He's come in. He's he's just fitted in. Uh, and again, it was just, Alonso and Emerson were never going to be Lampard's first choice left back. So um, he's kind of ticked that off now. And when he when he went down for England the other day, he was just praying that he could play in the weekend. But yeah, um, he came, he came through it. And yeah, he just bombs on our left hand side. He just reminds you so much of Ashley Cole. So I mean, is uh, so he just gets down our left and he tracks back, defends. He's good heading. He gets up. I mean, so it's good. That's really good. So, what, what what do you think of the new signings then? If you've had, you know, um, obviously you've got um, Havertz has been injured for the last week, but he seems to be for me. Like obviously, Trent's just said that Mendy's his signing of the season for me for, for Chelsea. Obviously, you've got Werner. He's um, he took him a little while to get into the goal scoring, but now he's doing it. But for me, the the impact of Havertz has been, you know, goals, assists, everything. Yeah, no, all of them. To be fair, and I think, I mean, I think. Ziyech hasn't really had a long a long time yet, but he's was five games and he's contributed every game apart from Newcastle on the weekend. So his his left foot is unbelievable. So I think between them all, I think I hope Werner's. I mean, he's if he can get 20, 25 goals a season, that's what we were missing massively. Yeah, uh, probably probably says Drogba left really. Yeah. Um, I mean, but again. Kante is is your first choice. No, you pick the eleven. He's your first person you put down on that team sheet. Really? Um, he, he, yeah. He just, I just think the last six, seven games where Lampard has just put him in that kind of number six role. Um, he's he's he just the transition between defence and midfield and up to attack. I think it all starts with him. I think so. Bit of a Makalele thing to Makalele. That is, that's exactly yeah, what I said, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at the minute, you put, you, I mean, you put him in, and then you just build a team around the mid, especially the midfield. You build him around him. I think yeah. on Sunday, Sunday, you just put him out in Harry Kane for ninety minutes, and it could be a totally different game to what people might expect. Hmm. Obviously, Pulisic's been injured. He's back. He's injured. He's back. He's injured. Um, you know, when he plays, he's 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 class as well. Oh yeah. Um, he just needs to run a game. I think he has been unfortunate, but they knew when they bought him of, the, of his injuries. Um, Dortmund, he had quite a couple of few injuries as well. So yeah. Um, 
but I just wish they'd give Hudson Odoi a bit of a run out. You know about them? I mean, they were playing well. Uh, he's coming off the bench. Um, just it's just it's just a good squad, you know. Yeah, I'd say this, you could just reel the name of players off. Uh, Billy Gilmore back in training this week. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see. He scored as well uh, for the twenty threes yesterday. Yeah. So um, again, he's he's probably the natural successor to Kante, I'd imagine. I mean, he's 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 young. He's he's agile. I mean, he played two games, Liverpool and Everton. It was last, I mean, kind of February, March. He was man of the match in both games. You know, so yeah, for a kid, he's, um, he's, he's for a kid, player. yeah. Yeah. Did you see what he did on the first day back in training? Daverna. Uh no, I haven't seen. I've seen he got he got sent off to the after eight minutes for Scotland in the twenty ones the other day. I did, I, did, um, I didn't see that, but in, in training, his first touch he nutmegged Werner on the first time he'd out first second time he'd met him or something. So that, yeah. That so, quality. so in your squad, is there anywhere that you would you would improve if you were Lampard? If you were to buy any player, where would it be? I think you've, you've still got like that back four. I think you can see on Saturday, uh, yeah, Saturday against Newcastle. Rudiger is uh, he's a decent centre half. You could just see every touch. He was a bit nervous, didn't know where to, where, didn't know where to go. Um, that assurance of having if, Sil- if Silver or Zuma is out, you're yeah. kind of you're kind of wondering what's going to happen, you know, because Christensen's he's probably going to be on his way in January. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow he might go on loan, depending if. I mean, but I think still centre off. You no, know, Silver's not going to be there forever. Hmm. Um, I think he wants another year already, so that's good. But um, yeah, centre off is still that thing. Silver or Zuma are both out, but one of them is out. Um, yeah. that, that's kind of where we've improved is a clean sheet. So All right, I think yeah, with Rudiger, yeah. I think he needs game time. He's been yeah. frozen out of the first team for. For quite a bit, and then Frank yeah. Lampard throwing him in the last couple of weeks. I think, I think you need some game time, and then I think he'll be a bit sharper. But I do agree. Yeah. I think you know, if you hadn't have bought in Mendy, I think you guys would have been struggling a touch defensively because I don't think yeah. you can rely on Kepa. So yeah, I'd definitely say a centre half. I think uh, when we played Sheffield United the other week, you got one 0 down after ten minutes. We, last year we were winning that game four one. So maybe you'd be kind of. We we struggled to come back when we went down last year, and I think that's the difference this year. We, we're finding ways to beat the teams in the lower half, which which is what you need to do, really. Yeah, it's finding a consistency as well. I don't yeah. think last season Chelsea were very consistent. Uh, do you think they're going to put that to bed this year? I hope so. And I, I, sorry, we've only played Liverpool really out of the top top big six. Sat Sunday is massive. I think if we win on Sunday, you could really think that we're going to be pushing for the title. But you lose on Sunday. Spurs are playing really well. Um, as much as it kills me, I hope the hell Spurs don't win the league. Be, uh, anyone but Spurs, really. But um, so, are you are you uh, happy? Yeah. Are you happy where you are then after nine games? Oh yeah, that, um, especially after the first couple of games where I mean, a couple of draws, lost to Liverpool. Um, we've found a bit of a bit of a thing at the minute now but, and again it's consistently it's pretty much the same team that goes in week in week out at the minute which mm. is which is handy and again Ren tomorrow night um, so I mean Silver will probably play Harvest will probably get some minutes um, mm. and potentially rest with him because he looked he looked tired on the weekend um, so one they, <laughs> so I suppose the, the, the biggest question would be how are they going to cope with Son Kane Maybe Bale. Obviously, he didn't play hmm. in the last in the last game, so he's going to be 
he's going to be rested. Um, how how are they going to cope with those three, especially Son, because he's absolutely. Sorry, I, 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 I just, I, if you watch and just just if you look look on social media on the weekend about the amount of space Harry Kane got on the weekend, um, I think if Kante kind of just pins himself on him for for as much of the game as he can, and just kind of close the space so Kane doesn't get on the ball, that could be a huge part of the game, I think. So. So what's your prediction? Depends where Kane plays. <laughs> he was mm. playing. He, he was playing holding midfielder at one point on yeah. uh, the weekend. That's, that's the thing. I mean, Kane is he's, he's 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 coming deeper to get the ball because he knows he can play those passes. He knows Sun is going to go over the top. So um, yeah, I think Camp David Kane could be a could be a big one on the weekend. So what's your prediction? Uh, I think we went two 0 another, another clean sheet. Very confident. Second half. Yeah. Very confident with that with that front three of Spurs. Well, okay. it all depends if uh, well, Mourinho likes to park the bus normally when he comes to the bridge. So we'll see. He did it. He did it well on uh, on the weekend yeah, against Man City. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he couldn't move it. No, 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 no. That was a Davis boss bus in Blue Street. If ever I saw one. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If we move on to Pico, then um, obviously Tottenham top of the league, two 0 against uh, Man City. Mourinho masterclass. You've got to be confident ahead of the game at Stamford Bridge. Um, same question as what I asked uh, Carl earlier on. Spurs fan, living in Brummagem, what, uh, how did that come about? I've never, um, I've never actually asked you that question. Growing up early 80s, what were the football teams everyone wanted to watch? The style of football they played was just second to none. I mean, my dad was a Wolves fan, my brother's a Wolves fan. I had no inspiration that way. Um, so it was the likes of Glenn Hardall, Chris Waddle, Lineker, Gascoigne. I mean, the, the players they had throughout the ages, never won bugger all, but yeah. they yeah. the players they had were just the team to watch. And I, from a very early age, just followed them and stuck with them through a lot of thick and not a lot of thin. So, um, um, so, so were you around then when... Um, so you mentioned those players, so and you said they hadn't won anything. What about... Aussie R dealers, Ricky Velia, the the FA Cup was at 81-82 time. It's 81, three, three, four. So don't oh, you're, remember. You're, you're lying to me now. You're lying to me now. <laughs> Born 78, Steve. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, good <laughs> so yeah, probably a little, little bit early for me. Um it's more sort of the mid to late eighties. Where oh. again, played a lot of great football, but didn't never win really never really came to anything, did it? No, no, no. Ninety one. FA Cup, and then you skip a fair few years again, don't you? What, the 2047? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so so you had you had uh, you know a cracking win last week against uh, against City. You got Chelsea on Sunday. I'd be looking ahead. You got Arsenal next week, Liverpool and Leicester before Christmas. That's a hell of a test, and and also you've got to throw in three or four European games in between. So two questions. Uh, do you have the strength and depth to cope with all those fixtures, or does Mourinho have to prioritise the Premier League over the European games? Because the European games, I've looked at the European games; they're, they're you know they're second-rate sides. So, do you think he'll prioritise and, and keep them for those games? Because every game is tough. Second-rate side that we've already lost or lost to once this year as well. I'm not saying you're a second-rate um, side. <laughs> no, no, I'm on about Antwerp. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> Um, I don't. Th the strength and depth is clearly there. We've got literally a player for every position. 
I think we've got the same problem. Chelsea have centre-backs at our weak area. Um, weekend, it was really, really, really good. Dyer was probably best defender on the pitch by a country mile. Out of Ireland, had a good game, but then went off after 85 minutes injured, which is obviously a doubt for the weekend. Yeah. Him out the side, we've got likes of Sanchez, if he's fully fit, come back in. Apart from that, central defence, I think we're struggling. Obviously, we've got Foden, which obviously you, you'll you know more about, Steve, being a fellow Welshman. Yes. You'll yes, know yes, how yes. good he is. I, I haven't seen a lot of him. Um, obviously, the report that comes with him and the relationship he's got with Bale and Davis is second to none, and they rate him very highly from what they've seen on social media. Yeah. So it depends on if, if it is a baptism of fire. Mourinho likes to do that, that kind of thing, throw the big players, the younger players in, in the big games, did against yeah. Liverpool last year. Um, but yeah, strength and depth, I don't think that's an issue we've, we've got. I mean, you can, you can feel two sides and they still look strong at the moment. He's trying to get the commitment from the second team that we missed on against Royal Antwerp. Hmm. I mean, that was just a poor... I mean, Deli Alley, I mean, he, he just looked average every time he stepped on the pitch this year. And you're talking about a world-class player over yeah, the last disappeared four, five seasons. Disappeared. disappeared. Obviously, he's out of favour. He's not getting the chance in the Premier League. But what's happened there? I, I, I don't know. Obviously, I, think, I, you, think, I think a pretty good cure for him would be if somebody could get all of his mobile phone and d- delete his, um, his Instagram account, a bit like Jesse Lingard. Yeah. Yeah, just strip him back completely and tell him to stop. But the thing is, he must have the right people around him telling him the right thing to be doing. You'd, you'd um, think. He's a world-class player. He's played for England. I mean, he's, he's, he's been there in the major, a major tournament. He's, you'd think, come off the back of there, with Spurs in the Champions League final, you'd think that would have spurred you on at some point. But since that point, I mean, Mourinho's first, what, five games in charge? He scored five and created, set up three. It was a ridiculous run. You think he's going to get the best out of him. And then since then, he's just kind of fallen off the planet. Mourinho has a a habit, though, doesn't he, of upsetting players. If you look at um, Man United, Martial was the guy always frozen out by Mourinho, always called out. And now it's Deli Alley. He did the same at Chelsea with the backroom staff as well. Um, Yeah. There's something there with Mourinho that I think you've got to get on board with him or you, you're out. Well, see, so you'd think after the first five games, though, he was on board. I mean, the football he was playing was ridiculous. I mean, I go back to the, the West Ham game when he's on the floor and he puts a through ball through before he goes yeah. out. Class. Just ridiculous. I mean, things like that, you don't just you don't lose that. So it's still there. But after the first five games, you'd think Mourinho would have been armed around him, right, this is what I need to focus on. Yeah, that's just gone. I'm not sure where it's gone or why his, it's gone. Do you think his head was turned a bit when there was talk of him going, you know, Real Madrid, Man United? There was two yeah. or three. There was a few teams that were the names were banded about. Yeah, he's been branded a lazy trainer. I've seen. I don't know if you've seen the the, the program on Amazon. Um, oh yes, but, the Mourinho one. That one. Yeah, I mean, Mourinho calls him lazy about fifteen times in the episode, and. Surely that, I mean, that's, that's going to kick up the backside that you need to get moving if your manager thinks you're lazy. Yeah. Um, but he's the laziest trainer he's worked with. Mm. But at the end of the day, I mean, surely lazy trainer, not lazy trainer, you see what is produced on the pitch and should speak for itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think you've got enough? In, you just mentioned strength and depth. So do, do you reckon you've got enough then? You said about Kane, Son, Bale. 
if one or two of them were out, who would step in place for place for them? Well, Vinicius, I mean, he's had a couple of little glimpses. He looks very good, holds the ball up very well, very strong, great left foot. He looks a player that could actually step in, which would be nice to actually when Kane inevitably gets injured because he's he's clearly going to get something at some point this year. Um, stepping at that front man that we've missed out on, you've got, I mean, Son gets injured, you've got Umora, you've got Bale, you've got um, Lamella. There's there's talent there. It's ridiculous. I mean, attacking is never going to be the issue. Yeah. We've shored up the defense, uh, the midfield now. Obviously, Hoiberg. I laughed about our signings with you, Steve. Obviously, I remember. One point, our signings were Hoiberg and Joe Hart. Thinking, okay, <laughs> this is a very very strange transfer window, yeah. but he's been absolute quality. I mean, the cut, ground he covers, the tackles he makes, he just turns the ball over. It's them little areas, them little pockets. Obviously, you talked about um, Kante for Chelsea. He's, he's a very similar kind of player. He, he hasn't really got that push forwards, but he just he just takes the ball off you without even the noticing. Yeah. Okay. So, I think we've 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 got the obviously the centre the, the midfield. We've got we've got the replacements. My my only concern. I mean, I can I can try I can sit here and say we've been great all season. We were. Absolutely awful against Brighton. We were poor against, we we're really, really poor against the Albion. But we got, we, it's, it's them kind of games where you, you grind out points and you walk out nine points from three games thinking, okay, that's 12 in the last four. It's, it's, I've watched every single minute of it and you, you wouldn't think at any point we deserve to get points out of the previous three games. Mm. I think the weekend, I think it was just a different class. Um, obviously, we exchanged a few messages and just Mourinho masterclass. I mean, you can try and put all possession, everything into place. It makes a difference. I mean, we we were just leagues above them. Yeah, they kept creating. Um, I think one of the uh, one of the columns that Mourinho commented on, they said Chelsea had ninety percent of the ball. He said they can keep the ball. I got three points, <laughs> which is it's his mentality, isn't it? But I mean, it was it was just absolute masterclass. I mean, they didn't have anything to. They, they didn't change. There was no. There was no plan B for them. Yeah. And Harry Kane was just ridiculous. And I'm sorry, Carl, but to try and say that Kante is going to mark him at the game is ridiculous. He's, he's <laughs> not follow him. And if he does follow him, you'll have another defender follow him as well, which will create space behind for the likes of Bergwijn, Bale, Son to run onto. It's he's it, it, too clever for that. I think they One can the try and mark him at the game. It was yeah. it was ridiculous, Steve. It, it was literally from start to finish, coming 85th minute, he's got the ball and he runs and he literally looks like the other guys are standing still. He, yeah. he literally ran back half the length of the pitch and just kept going away from them. I think at one point, Mate. if it had turned in towards goal, it had just run straight past and scored. But <laughs> I mean, everybody says he's got a lack of pace and I, 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 I question it every time I hear it. Because he, he hasn't lost any pace. He's still stupidly quick. He's just getting that point now where he's managed to last 90 minutes quite easily because he's sensible he drops back yeah. in little pockets opens up behind him or he gets the ball to feet and then he's got loads of space so whichever way you try and do it you try and man mark him you leave him space behind him you don't follow him he's got the ball and he'll just number 10 assist he's on the cards yeah world class he's class he's a different quality I mean the, the sun the, the sun at the moment it's you, you get a chance he scores it's simple as that. I mean, he should have had another one weekend when he, the keeper came out and he just a ridiculously heavy touch. 
but he's just so alive to it and they work so well. Obviously, they've had a couple of seasons, well, four or five seasons together now, so they know each other's game inside out, which I think is obviously paying dividends. I mean, they've the goal tally this year, if they carry on the way they go, it's going to be ridiculous. Well, um, Son has scored more goals than Arsenal this year. Yeah, he scored. Well, no, he scored the same. He scored nine. Arsenal scored nine. Yeah. So, yeah Arsenal, yeah. He's got nine assists. Arsenal have only got seven assists. Yeah. So it's, uh, Which is always nice stats when Arsenal keeps struggling. When they were poor again yesterday. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So, but, Bale's, Bale's back. Prodigal son returns. Obviously, his fitness is on the way up. He's playing a bit more minutes each week. Um, what are your thoughts on him so far? Well, you know my thoughts about Gareth Bale, Steve. I mean, I absolutely love the bloke. I mean, he's an absolute legend. Um, can't blame him for leaving when he did. He was the height of his game. And what he's gone away and won is ridiculous. Um, him coming back, obviously, we don't want the player that left. I think if we can get half the player that left, then... As well, I've got something going on with my computer. Um, if we get half the player, if we get half the player that that left back, I think we'll do well out of it. I mean, like you say, I mean, if you got them, if you got Gareth Bale fully fit with Son and Kane, I mean, that's just that's going to scare the crap out of any defence, isn't it? Will the other half of Bale be playing golf? Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what's your prediction then? Let's put you on the spot then. Carl's gone 2-0 at Stamford Bridge. I don't think it'll be two clear goals. And I don't see us keeping another clean sheet, so I'll go with 2-1. I don't think we're not going to score. I presume I you're saying 2-1 to Spurs? 2-1 to Spurs, yeah. I don't think... I think this tacking on the field is, is, is far too strong to have a clean sheet either end. I think it's just kind of case. It might be a little bit cagey, um, and it's the legs at the end. I think it'll be, I'd go one all half time and it'll be a, sort of an 80th minute winner. Uh, Harry Kane, big header, far post. <laughs> okay, Nostradamus. <laughs> Walls, Walls can't. Okay, now moving on to uh, the Everton Leeds game. Um, we've got a Welshman living in New Jersey, America. Um, if you've got a definition of a proper football fan, um, this guy's your man. Um, he literally follows his team all over the world. Um, he's a, obviously he's a big Wales fan as well. Um, uh, I've known him for a long time, so I, we follow each other on Twitter and bits and pieces. And uh, he's even been across to Russia. I think that was to watch the Wales game. Was, is that right, Pricey? Was that Wales? That's, yeah, that's correct. Russia was uh, 2003, the playoff. That was an interesting trip. That was because we tried to drive. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, what's the furthest then that you've um, been mileage wise? Is that is that the furthest? I I don't I think it was last summer, uh, Steve. If I'm honest, so so last summer um, we I, I went to watch uh, Leeds in Australia. I went to watch the the Manchester United friendly last last summer. <laughs> so probably about coming up to eighteen months ago now. So obviously Leeds had. Um, uh, I just, I just lost in the playoffs. Yeah, that first season where Bielsa had come in, and we'd lost in the playoffs. Right. And then we announced our pre-season tour, and part of that, part of that pre-season tour was was Australia. So they played two games in Australia. Um, one of which was against Manchester United in Perth, and then they played. I think it was Western Sydney. Then obviously in the city of Sydney, I yeah. didn't go to the Sydney game. I actually had to be back for work, so I literally flew from New York. Um, to Beijing and then caught caught a connection from B 
Beijing, I think it was to Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, and then another connection down to Australia. I was in Perth for two days, watched Manchester United um, go four 0 up after about sixty minutes, <laughs> and then uh, caught a flight, caught a flight back to New York the next day. So, um, so yeah, so that and and I, I wanted to go to Australia for years, obviously with with, with my love of, of 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 cricket as well, which is which is another topic, obviously. But um, yeah, I was in Perth for two days, so. Um, and to see Leeds get get battered in a preseason friendly, so I think that's the longest one. I think. I mean, there's been other ones with Wales. I did Wales China about two years ago as well. Um, I was in China for tw- for 36 hours. I think I was in China for. Um, that was that was an experience. Um, and then the Russia one back back when we were trying to qualify for for Euro 2004 with Wales as well. And in those days, we used to um, we used we used to drive everywhere because. Uh, my good friend and, and and somebody you know, Sean Cressy, he wouldn't uh, he, he wouldn't fly anywhere. So, um, but we had to get on a plane at some point during that trip. But again, you, you'd have to have a whole other radio show to talk about that one. He's uh, tremendous dedication. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. I've often thought over the years, if I hadn't gone anywhere and just saved the money, I think I'd be retired by now. <laughs> I'm, pretty <laughs> sure, I'm pretty sure I'd be retired by now. But uh, would I do it all over again? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Traders will tell you it's taken me two years to go to go and watch him three miles up the road for a friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. True. I don't know. The, the the longer ones have always been have always been more of a challenge for myself. I'm like, you know, I, I don't care where it is any 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 corner of the planet to watch Leeds or or you know or to watch Wales. I'm you know I'm there, um, and you know I haven't missed I haven't missed many even even living over here. I haven't I haven't missed many. You know, and um, obviously the, the Wales thing culminated in, in in the Euros back in back in 2016, which I think will never be beaten. But um, uh, but yeah, it was it was glad to have some sort of reward for all the international travel. I mean, I remember going to Luxembourg on a Tuesday night, driving driving from Carmarthen to Luxembourg on a Tuesday night to watch a game where there's like 25 fans there. That's just and then, and, and then you know. Um, and then going to the Euros and getting to the semis of the Euros was obviously, Unreal. Um, was obviously amazing. But even move, moving over here hasn't stopped my, you know, my my passion for traveling and following my club and following my country. If anything, I'm doing I'm doing it even more now. So it's great. <laughs> how's how's the back, by the way? It's good. Thanks, thanks for asking, mate. Yeah, I had uh, I had I had um, spinal surgery about ooh, 16, 17 days ago now. And uh, listen, I'm. It, 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 one thing I will say about the American healthcare system is, uh, it's you know once once they diagnose you with a problem, you're in. You know, there's no waiting lists or anything like that. With the, you know, it's a whole insurance thing here. I'm lucky enough to have health insurance and everything. I know there's a lot of people who don't. Yeah. Um, but you know, for, you can't put a price on your health. So even though you might end up a few, you know, a couple of quid out of pocket, yeah, you do you do get seen very very quickly over here. So yeah, to be walking around and I'm back on a bike as well. I can't do any running or anything yet, but. Uh, mm. But to be back on my feet 16, 17 days after, you know, having two discs sorted out has, has been pretty amazing. Yeah, but I'm I'm feeling a lot better, mate. Thanks for asking. Good, 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 good. What what are you doing then regarding football out there? What's what do you actually uh Yeah, so I've been I've been over here, you know, almost twelve years now. March next year will be my twelfth my twelfth anniversary. So, you know, I originally came over here uh in two thousand and nine working for a working for a company. Um, you know, I was 29 30 years old by that point back in but you know back in 2009 so you know I kind of was slowing down on the playing side of things um yeah. 
and uh, you know, just kind of looking at next steps. You know, living in Carmarthen, bit of bit of a dead end, that kind of thing. Want, wanted to be in football or, or involved in football. So you know, I'd spoken to a couple of people about the American thing, and uh, I took a job with, with with a company that provided coaching to you know to, to clubs. So the best way of kind of describing it to you would be. You know, the clubs from our area and we used to and we grew up with like, you know, Johnstown or Carmarthen or Abergwilly or anything like that. If, you know, if they would hire a company that, that, that would provide a professional coach to come in and coach, you know, youth players within that within that organization. So I did that for about two years and then and then I set up um, a business and a club of my own doing something doing something similar. It's slightly different because I wanted to create my own my own teams as well. And that's kind of snowballed over the years. So, you know, I've been, you know, I've kind of partnered up with, with different entities over the years. So right now, you know, you fast forward to today, you know, I'm involved in an organization which, um, which uh, houses about 12, 1300 players, um, you know, in different regions of the state of New Jersey as well. Um, so, you know, but it's the, the, the biggest difference between here and home is, you know, it's, it's, it's a big business out here as well, you know, so with, with business being the key word, unfortunately, sometimes because yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much a pay to play culture here in the United States, rather than, you know, back home, we did it very much for the love of it. Right. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. um, so yeah, so there's a big business element. So, so basically involved in, de- involved in the day-to-day running of a, of a massive, you know, youth football club in, in, in the States. That's, that's, that sounds brilliant. That sounds brilliant. Right. So, the World Cup's coming up in 2026, um, as you mentioned when I um, sent you the message a few days back. Yeah. Um, that, just going back, this is probably, yeah, this is slightly before your time. Um, obviously, you remember, you remember it. The, you know, it was in America in 94. Yeah. Um, soccer was nothing. Um, you know, they tried to raise the profile. They had, they had Pele, George Best played for the Cosmos, but it just didn't get off the ground. Yeah. Um, and I remember, obviously, you remember when... Jason Williams, Phil Roberts, we all we all went across to Denmark with Norwich City and twelve. Yeah, I remember those days, yeah. You know, they um uh, I remember two of our coaches um at Norwich, they were paid, and this is going back to you're talking 87, 88, but seven, eight years before the World Cup, they were getting paid 50 grand to go across, spend six, seven weeks coaching the youngsters to try and get it off the ground. Yeah. Um it didn't re- obviously they had a decent World Cup because they 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 they're good at providing any sporting event. But it's still, it's nowhere near baseball, American football, basketball. So where do you think football is now, 25 years on? Um, and do you think, do you think Bex has succeeded where Pele didn't? Because you're, you know, you're, you're there. You're, you're the perfect person. Yeah, I get, I get asked this question a lot, and it's, you know, and it's, and it's really good what you said about, you know, even, even back when it was the NASL with, with, with Beckenbauer and, and, and Pele and. Um, um, you know, there were a lot of, you know, you, you know, European footballers that came over here, you know, back in the, in the mid 70s towards towards the end of their careers. And for some reason, it, I mean, it, it, it kind of peaked, I think, in around about 77, 78. And then by the time, you know, the early 80s had come, it was all over. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you fast forward then to, uh, you know, to the World Cup in, 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 in 94, I mean, I, I mean, I do remember it pretty well. I mean, I was four, I was 14 at the time. And of course, you know, um, you know, as a as a Welshman, I, I'm not sure if you were there that night, but you know, I remember Paul Bowden missing that penalty and not qualifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, we, I, I even remember my dad Steve going down to the local travel agents and getting all this, you know, all the info on America, and you know, he was ready to take me and my brother over to Sport Wales in a World Cup. I mean, we we were we were more or less there, and that, and I can still see that 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 ball smashing against the crossbar and going up and, and not getting there. But I mean, you know. 
the, the, the World Cup also, and I think a lot of people forget this as well, is like you know, the World Cup was here and they do put on a good show. If there's anything about the Americans, they do put on a good show, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I remember really enjoying the, 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 the 94 World Cup. I mean, the first World Cup I can really remember is 86 bits and pieces in Mexico. And then when, you know, and then that kind of made me fall in love with football. But then when we got to 1990, I thought 1990 was a big, was a big letdown, of, you know, other than, you know, kind of, kind of England's heroics in, in you know, in, in the 1990 World Cup and, and, and the Gaza tears and all that kind of thing. But yeah. all in all, I think football was changing then. Um, and then when we got back, when we got to 94, I thought the Americans really, really did put on a, um, put, put on a good tournament. Now, after, after that, after that kind of ended, the MLS League started. So the new version of the NASL, the MLS League started. And I, and I believe that started with seven teams, just seven professional teams. Right. So if we fast forward 25 years, there's now, there's now 26, um, I believe 26 or 28, um, you know, professional teams in the US now. Yeah. Spread across conferences with the MLS. Um, with with two two to four expansion teams now um, set to come in in the next uh, in the next two or three years. So you know the professional game is is chalk and cheese. Not only from '94 when the you know when the World Cup finished and the MLS started in '95 or '96, but even in the 12 years I've been here. I mean, I remember going to my first MLS game not not long after I'd got here and not not long after I'd emigrated over here, and it was between um, New York Red Bulls and another MLS team i forget and it was at the old giant stadium and it was played on the astroturf and the, and the american football lines were across the field there was about seven thousand people in an eighty thousand seat stadium and it was just awful and, I, <laughs> and I, you know coming from where i'd come from you know you know a fanatical leeds fan and going home and away to watch uh, you know leeds every other week or whatever i, I was like really is is, is this the game out here? You know, you know, even questioning, have I made the, have I made the right move here? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in all fairness, um, you know, with, you know, they started building, you know, you know, um, you know, their own stadiums. A lot of the clubs started building their own purpose built stadiums for, you know, for the game and the professional game has, has improved a lot. I think where the States really struggles with and whether they can, you know, create, create a really good team, you know, at the, at the national level um, is, something I kind of mentioned, you know, you know, a couple of minutes ago where they've got this grassroots problem here where it's a pay to play culture. Oh, so because, cool. because, because kids aren't playing it for the love of it and they're playing it because it might, it might even be seen more as a middle to upper class sport here rather than a, than a working class sport. Obviously the, you know, the, the American football, the baseball, even the basketball, even ice hockey, you know, gets, you know, gets more, more coverage and they get more lucrative TV deals, that, that, that kind of thing. But, the, but the, when I look at, I'm, I'm involved in, in youth football over here primarily. So seeing, seeing young players kind of not being the same as we are. And there's yeah. some good players out here, don't get me wrong. Very, very technically gifted players and, you know, they understand the game. But then when you're looking for that player in a game, uh, you know, and I coach a lot and I see a lot of games um, out here. You're looking for that player you know, how can I explain it? You know, like that Roy Keane type or, you know, you know, you know, some of those players over the years who are doing it because they absolutely love it and they want to run through a big brick wall. And you don't see those players out here. You, you just don't, you know, not at the youth level. I watch a lot of MLS youth, youth games as well, especially with New York Red Bulls, New York City FC and, and Philadelphia Union in my area. So, you know, I'm familiar with, with that league and that youth setup as well. And I just don't see it. I really don't. So unless you're, part of that very small percentage of players who can maybe 
um, American players who can, who can get a European deal or a European contract. I don't see how they can ever um, get a national team to a level where they're really, really going to go to a World Cup or host a World Cup like in six years' time and say, right, we're going to have a real crack at this and we could make a quarterfinal, a semi-final, or God, you know, God forbid, a final. I just, you know, being here on a daily basis and being here for as long as I have, I just, I, I don't see it. So what's what's different then with the women's football? How have they, you know, if you're a, if you're a ten-year-old lad and you're a ten-year-old girl, why, if if you if you're moving your way up in age group as a ten-year-old male football player? And you're a ten-year-old female football player move, moving up. Is it a different system, or you know how are they producing? Because they've, been, they've been good for twenty that's years. That's a great. That's a great question. That's a great question because if you if you look at the male side of things, they, and, and you look at, at, at football as far as the, the the male side of the sport is concerned, they they, they try it. They're trying to produce a world-class professional league, right? Mm. But. You, I don't. I, maybe they look at us, or they look at other European leagues, or even even the way the South Americans do it as well, because we're kind of closer in proximity to you know the Brazilians, and the Argentinians, and and the Mexicans over here. Uh, um, they're trying to say, right, we want to do that as well, but it it comes down. I I think it comes down to the whole college system over here. So college is a big big deal out here. You know what I mean? You know, going playing for your high school or going to high school and then graduating and going, you know, and then going to a college you know, a prestigious college of which there are many in the United States is a big deal over here. And the MLS try to pull their players and draft their players from that league. Okay. But by the time that comes around and they graduate in college, these boys are already, you know, if they go in 18 and they're doing a four year degree, they're already 22 years old. Yeah. The difference with us is we've already picked that player up by he's eight years old, nine years old. Right. You know, you know, whatever, whatever team it is on the girl side, I think I think they're a lot more successful, you know. And obviously, the you know the the sport is still growing around the world as far as as far as the female side of things is concerned. But where America have got it spot on is they put so much money and funding into into their their colleges and their and, and the facilities that they have at their college. These girls get the best the best of everything. So um, it doesn't surprise me one bit that you know the the American women's team has had the success that they've had over a, over a long period of time. I mean, they basically dominated the sport, right? So um, so but because they're not going to college to try and get like an MLS draft or you know trying to get into a pro league because there isn't really a pro league out here. I mean, there there is, but there's not a lot of money involved and it doesn't get a lot of coverage. So maybe those female players are doing it because they actually love doing it you know yeah i know some of those top top players alex morgan uh, alex morgan rapino um and solo in years gone by yes they've all ended up you know getting getting um lucrative contracts whether it's been through um you know you know going and playing in europe or, or advertising deals you know endorsements that kind of thing but really there's you know there's no there's no real money in in the women's game so that's one theory where you know you know the, the men's the men's game is, is is trying to be more about the money, um, but the women's team are really doing it because because they they love it. I think when I got here, it really was a 50-50 split, and it's probably not that much different now, twelve years on. Um, you know, between the men's and the win and the women's game, and yeah. I've never seen women's soccer before, Steve. I'll be completely honest with you. Growing up where I grew up, I I mean, w w was there any you know pre pre two thousand fifteen to you know I, I I don't think so. Where, so when I where got we here, it was, 
yeah, it, 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 it was something it was something new and I've grown to enjoy enjoy the women's game when really I wasn't brought up in it and it was very very foreign to me when I got here yeah where where where, where we were there was nothing but I, I just remember um obviously did you did you go to the Canary Cup I never went to the Canary Cup. No, I think by the time you know I was the same age of, as you when you when you had done it, I, I think it was kind of Peter and Peter and out a little bit. Yeah, because I, I just remember when because obviously we did the Canary Cup. We played out in out out in Denmark, and yeah, there was yeah, England was nothing, but the European the, the Scandinavians, yes. they were they were playing. You know, in in the I remember because um we were asked to like ref a few of the girls' games and. Um, the, the Scandinavians, they had a, they had a lord uh, of, of, of women out there. Um, and um, obviously the, the Americans, you know, there was, there was televised women's games in the 90s and it was literally right. America against the world. No yes. one could touch them. Yeah, no, they're outstanding. It's interesting, again, that you mentioned Scandinavia because a lot of the American players, um, you know, go over to, to Scandinavia to play. Um, our local professional club here is, is a club called Sky Blue FC, and right. they, I, I don't think she's in charge now. Um, but you know, the, the last head coach there was a female, and I believe she was the only female head coach in the nine team league. Um, and she she had played all her career, um, in Scandinavia in, in Sweden, I believe. So I think there's a strong link between, um, between Amer American players and going and, and playing in Scandinavia. But yeah. It's good now when you see, you know. Um, you know the you know the women's Premier League and you know in England seems to be starting to really take off now and you know now they're not playing they're not playing in Chelsea kits or Manchester United kits or Liverpool kits or the local park they're actually starting to play at at Stamford Bridge or you know or at the Etihad or at uh, or at Anfield right so you know I mean it's 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 good that they're making it more inclusive for you know for for females back home but whereas the men's game here is is still light years away from ours. I think our women's game or the UK's women game is light years away from this. So, so it's an, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Yeah. That's why um, all the Americans are being bought by uh, Man City women's at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and like I said, the college deal is, is such a big deal over here. Colleges are very expensive to go to over here. So female college scholarships are highly sought after scholarships. So, you know, I, you know, just recently as part of my organization, one player in particular, um, you know, just got um, what, how they call it over here, they call it a free ride. So a, a free ride is basically you go to college for free, right? Um, so she got a full college scholarship to the University of Illinois, which is, which is near Chicago. So, you know, that for her and her family is very, very, a very, very prestigious thing, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and then you become an alumni of the college and everything. And that, that you know, that can go right the way through the family. So, you know, it's, it's um, it, 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 the college is a business over here. I mean, if you just switch sports for a second and go to American football, mm. you know, the, the top 10 colleges or the top 20 colleges, Rutgers University, I don't know if you've heard of it, is about 35 minutes up the road from me. Right. Um, they'll get 50,000 fans at home for a college game. 50,000 you know, which, which is which is more than probably what I would say 75% of English Premier League football clubs it might not cost 50 quid to go in like it does back home yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah they, you know a, a, college, a college football team out here will get 50,000 watching their home games so it's incredible when you think about it and then you know if you think of um, some massive universities like you know Mich Michigan, 60, 70,000. Just, 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 just incredible numbers. That's just bonkers. Yeah. 
Right, if we move on to the game then, Leeds, um, obviously a decent start to the season you know, at, at the beginning. Lost 4-1-3, drawn 2, um, you know, 13-14th in the league. Um, obviously, you're a bit gutted about um, nil-nil against Arsenal with uh, uh, a player advantage in the, uh, in the second half. Um, what, uh, happy with where you are on your way back up from uh, from last year? Yeah, season? I I I think so. And and listen, it's I mean, first and foremost, it's been it's just been an incredible ride for you know for 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 you know almost two and a half years now since you know since Bielsa took you know took uh, took charge of the team and was and, and was appointed. And I think you have to be a Leeds fan to 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 kind of understand that because because we're we're still. Relatively new to the Premier Premier League, or we're nine, you know we're nine games new to the Premier League. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, even 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 the pundits, right? This Premier League, everybody was telling me. I mean, it's been sixteen years since I've experienced the Premier League game with Leeds United in it, but I haven't stopped watching the Premier League. Yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. But, it's, but it's definitely very much a bubble now, isn't it? You know, I mean, the gap has got further and further apart in terms of where the Premier League is and where the champ- and where the Championship or the rest of the English Football League is. Yeah. Um, you know, so first of all, it's been a great ride. Now, I don't think anybody who's got half a brain or knows, knows a little bit about football thought we were going to walk into the Premier League and just say, oh, you know, I mean, we can get in the top six here or we can travel for, for Europe, European. I'm, I'm, I'm as optimistic as anybody, but you know what I mean? I, I, I like to think that I, I know my football. And for, for me, it was it was forty point target like from the start of the season, forty point target. Yeah. So you know, I mean, even even today, I'm doing the mathematics in my head, and I'm thinking, right, you know, if we carry on the way we're going, we will probably end up, um, you know, with around about 48, 49, 50 points. I think fifty points would be amazing. So yeah, I think I think I'm happy, and I think what the first nine games. Have shown is on our day we can go toe to toe with anybody. I think we won a lot of friends for our performances against Liverpool, Liverpool and <laughs> Manchester City at home in particular. Um, and we've also, you know, beaten teams that I believe that we should have beaten. Sheffield United, our away performance against Aston Villa was was a was probably our best performance of the season. Um, you know, we beat we beat Fulham at home, even though we made it hard for ourselves. And then yesterday, I mean, look after back you know back to back four one defeats. Um, you know, I think it was really important yesterday that, that that we kept a clean sheet. So, you know, that ticked the box. And if somebody had offered me a draw after two, four, one defeats, I might have taken it against the mighty Arsenal, right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely a little bit disappointed that we couldn't win because I thought we were the better team with 11 men or when they had 11 men and when we had 10 men. And I think that, that with the two, four, one defeats against Leicester and Palace, it, 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 nothing's nothing has surprised me at all. Like like Leicester are aside, I mean, you know, they won the Premier League not so long back, and you know they're just a club now that is that is rocking and rolling every year at at the higher end of the, of the league. They've got some quality quality players. Brendan Rodgers is a quality manager. It it didn't surprise me that a Leeds team that was missing Calvin Phillips, that was missing Rodrigo, and one or two others could not cope against that type of level. You know yeah. what I mean? So the the Leicester game really didn't bother me. I'm like, okay, you know, we I, I think we're going to get our we're going to get slapped every now and again, and that was one of them. The Palace game bothered me a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It it kind of just said to me, without those players that I've mentioned and without some of those important players that I've mentioned, our first eleven or our strongest eleven is really good and can take anyone on. But I think if you lose two or three of those boys, even though we've improved the squad, you know, considerably with some of the signings, yeah, you know, for a team like Palace to, you know, to to, to kind of 
you know, put four past us with disappointing. It was my first experience of VAR as well as a fan. Right. So, so that was that was hard to take. You know, Bamford scored that goal. I mean, it's been, you know, that would have made it 1-1. Can, can we say possibly it might have been a different game if that was allowed to stand? Yes, I think so. Do I think VA, it was a ridiculous VAR decision? 100%. I mean, we teach strikers to point to where the goal is. So get so getting the goal disallowed at that level for pointing, you know, that's where I want you to pass me the ball was hard to take. And then, but again, I mean, Pat doesn't matter whether it's Palace, Leicester, Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Spurs, it doesn't matter. You will get punished at this level. Um, you know, if 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 you don't maybe sometimes get the luck go with you or or you or you don't take take your chances as well. So all in all in all, mate, I think I I think I can I can say, you know, I'm fairly happy with with where we're at at the moment. VAR treads. What are your thoughts on VAR so far this season? Well, um, <laughs> see, see, I like it. I do like VAR. I think there's no problem with VAR. I think there's a problem with how it's being manned. Um, I think, you know, you look at some of the decisions that have gone against other teams. I mean, the penalty for West Brom um, was... Uh, my first view was that's a penalty. I watched the VAR. It's a penalty. It's a penalty. <laughs> but, you know, West Brom didn't get it. The Bamford one that you were talking about was terrible. Like, how can you give offside for that? Like, I remember watching it on Soccer Saturday in the studio and everyone was just bamboozled by it. But I think VAR can work. I just think it's, it needs to be less subjective. Um, like, the goal line technology is, is brilliant. Probably the yeah. best thing that's come in. Like I think uh, yesterday's game, it was used uh, for me. No, um, it was a centimeter on the line, um, and it didn't get given. And it, the gold lot, goal and technology is brilliant. But yeah, the VAR, I think they need to tweak it a little bit. I think it needs to be less subjective and and more factual. I think the 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 man, the man thing is say going back to you know if it was if it was down to just the computer, the red line shows. Yeah, okay, his arm is pointing and his arm is offside and technically that's meant to be offside but his whole body was half a meter behind every defender that's when it needs to go to the human and go all right that you, you can't give that otherwise yeah. you're gonna, otherwise you're gonna have defenders taking a really high line um thinking hold on his toenail is going to be over we're going to be fine it's just ridiculous and you know what i've done as well lads like I, i've actually gone Back in back in time, you know, you know, so like VAR and 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 the current interpretation of, of offside. So what I did was I went back in time. So if we go back to when we were young players, okay, even if you even if you were level, you were you were offside. That was yeah. the rule back back in the nineties, okay. Yeah. So the off the offside rule changes pre VAR were to were to. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I got, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go three, I'll go three, three two leads just because I'll never go against them. But um, uh, I, I, again, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and it's again, it's interesting you brought Fulham up because, you know, we were four one up against Fulham after an hour, and we and I thought this could be, this could be, you know, seven or eight the way that we were playing against Fulham at the, you know, the second or third game of the season, um, and we allowed Fulham back into it. And we were, I was like, you know, it was 4-3 in the end. And not that we were hanging on at the end, but, you know, we just made it so much more difficult than we needed it to be. But yeah. that's okay because it's it's Leeds, right? And and we've just come up and, you know, this just as new signings. I agree with you about Everton. Everton, you know, established Premier League club. I know it's, they've had their ups and downs, but, you know, I didn't expect Fulham to, you know, to give you the, 
the attacking problems that they did, or more it was Everton, it, it was Everton's making rather than, than Fulham's yeah. making. Um, yeah. So I agree with you. I think there'd be I think there'd be goals. I'm also going to go for a three-two. Um, and my brother's an Everton uh, season ticket holder as well, so there's some there's a family food here. Um, and I've got I've got to be honest as well. I, I do have a little bit of a soft spot for Everton because because of my brother. Um, uh, and a couple of other family members, and and they've always been good games. You know, it was one of the, it was one of the first. It was the, it was it was actually the first ground I ever saw Leeds play in in the first division when we got promoted. You know, 25, 30 years ago, and that was three two Leeds that day. Um, so I'm going to go for a repeat result, three two to Leeds. So you'll have Rando. the uh, so you'll have a bit of banter then with the uh, Bernie, Bernie Richards, big Everton fan, as well. Well, of course, of course, of course, Jamie's my cousin, so big Everton fan. My brother, um, you know, is is a massive Everton fan. You know, how my brother was a season ticket holder from South Wales, but had never learned to drive. I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know. But 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 some but somehow Craig Craig managed it. So um so yeah, there'll be there'll definitely be um family bragging rights on on this one this weekend. But. I've never had Everton are a great football club, really, really good football club, and and I, I like to see them doing well. Ancelotti going there, what what a result for you know for Everton to get a manager of that stature in, and that's why it's no secret that um, you know players like like Rodriguez go there, um, you know. So if they can do well under Ancelotti, um, you know, good good luck to them. Just just not this weekend. Well, I, I I'll sit on the fence and I'll go for a two-all draw. There you um, go. That's, uh, we'll, put, we'll have to we'll have we'll have to put a couple of quid on these on these scores, won't we? Yes, so. yeah, we'll we'll do predictions each week, but um, that's that's what I, that's what I think there. Um, we'll have, I, we'll have a little pot. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna move on now to um, uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna start talking rugby in a bit. So um, I'll just uh, thank uh, thank Wayne there for his uh, for his input all the way from America. Um, Again, I felt good, good, and deeper than I have ever been. And if you knew I am so hesitant to try again, you'd understand why I don't want to let you in. I don't want to feel my stomach turn like this. I don't want to open up my heart like this. If I don't misery beat of my past relationships, then I'll let you tell the Baby mm-hmm. 
Hello and welcome to Randolph and Treaders Friday Night Sports Talk. Uh, no sports are off the agenda. We're looking forward to going in-depth and into the weekend's upcoming events. Treaders? That's right, Randolph. You'll definitely need to join us. We will have plenty of special guests, interviews, debates and predictions ready for a packed weekend of sport ahead. But when and where can you find us? Randolph? We're on at 7 till 8, Treaders, every Friday on Sportanarium. Just uh, Google it. You'll see it on YouTube. Um, plus, we're on uh, Twitter as well. See you there. Okay, now we're moving on to talk about international rugby. Um, Wales play England on Saturday. Um, so I've got Darren Simpson with me. Um, he's played for, uh, represented his country for Wales in uh, youth level and under 21 level. Um, club rugby played for Neath and Bridgend. Um, he's not a bad footballer as well, um, but I won't mention the last time we played squash. Um, how are you doing, Doc? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, yeah, all good. Thank you. Good, good, good. to be here. Good, good. Um, okay, we'll get straight into it. Um, the Gatlin era, it's uh, well and truly in the, uh, in the Welsh history. It's, it's, uh, it's past. Um, how on earth are we going to beat England on Saturday? Six losses out of yeah. six. Obviously, we've beaten Georgia um, uh, a few days back. Um, but England have only conceded seven points in the last 240 minutes. Uh, what, you know, what are your thoughts? It's going to be a tough old game, isn't it? But uh, one I'm not very hopeful for. Um, I think if we can get towards a score against England, I think um, the Welsh public be happy, really. Um, England look formidable at the moment. Uh, as you said, the defence is phenomenal, isn't it? It's just um, it, As you said, it's, it's like a white wall and um, it's hard to break down and... The way Wales are playing at the moment, I think they're going to find that very difficult. Um, before the, the Georgia game, I suppose, that our set-piece um, was, was, uh, was an issue. But it seemed that we had we dressed that a little bit against um, Georgia with a better scrum. But um, So if, if um, we don't front up up front on, um, against England on Saturday, I think it's going to be um, a big score against us, unfortunately. I, th- I, I wasn't even going to talk really about England. I was only, only going to talk about Wales, but because you brought up their white wall, um, exactly. I just watched. I watched the Ireland game on Saturday, and you know Ireland did actually have some ball, but they just could not get through that defence. Yeah, they just look uh, so f- physical, don't they? And um, they're not committing many to the tackle area, and they're just spreading the field, and uh, they're really hard to break down. And uh, something we we wish. I think we were the same when um, we had um, Sean Edwards in charge. Um, we looked um, comfortable without the ball, and basically, but. Um, 
since he's left, uh, we seem to be leaking them um, tries every game, isn't it? So it's a bit of a bit of a concern, especially playing against England on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously, Pivak. Um, I was obviously I've read a few things in the press in the last couple of weeks. He's obviously, he's been in charge for fifteen months, but he's actually only been in charge of the squad. He's only had them for four months. Um, and there's people already saying, you know, uh, you know, he's done really well at the Scarlets, and he's trying to bring that um, ethos into the Welsh squad. So, you know, how important do you think it is that you know, obviously the hierarchy actually, you know, come out and back him? Um, obviously he had rave reviews for the last few years but can he can he bring that free flow in rugby to international stage when if they if, if the Scarlet's make a mistake and they're playing against the club side then it's not so bad if they're playing against England France Ireland I, I went out to um I went out to Ireland to watch the game and there was no plan B and whenever yeah. there was a mistake bang Ireland capitalized on it straight away I think uh, we alluded to it earlier, isn't it, that you can't play international rugby if your scrum's not working and you're not creating quick ball. And at the moment, our ball is, is at a ruck area is really slow and the teams are just fanning out and defending us really easy and we, we just don't seem to be breaking them down. Yeah. So, unless, I know against Georgia, yeah, that was scrum was better and we created, and the weather conditions didn't help, but we did we did look more comfortable in, in the set piece and if we don't, um, in the previous games, we've really struggled there and then, you can't play an expansive game. You can't play out wide and wide channels then because teams are just fanning out. So we yeah. need we need to have um, parity up front, basically. And then then we can go from there. So I think Samson Lee and um, Wynne Jones made a big difference on, on Saturday because Georgia are formidable themselves in the, in the scrum, aren't they? But I think previously before that, we've re really struggled to play um, the game that Pivak wants. And I think the Welsh public are getting a bit worried and concerned about it because they don't see... A game plan, basically, where we want to play. He said he wants to play this expansive game, but no one's really seen that, do we? No, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, the, I, I watched the Georgia game. Obviously, very difficult conditions for running rugby. England beat them 14-0 the week before with a full squad. You know, we've we've come in there with loads of new players, and I've, again, I've I've read some reviews, and it's like, oh, you know, to be fair, they weren't good reviews, but I think they were watching a different game to me. I I, I was excited by some, some of those players. Yeah, some of the players, uh, Rizamit, the Gloucester boy, looks good, and he looks a uh, good prospect. I thought Callum Sheedy, you know, they're saying that he, he can um, dictate the game and things like that. So uh, he, he's another one who I think um, should start against England because he, he'll have the ability, really, to break, break the England defence down. But as I said, I think we need to create quick ball from the ruck area and we need um, parity up front. Uh, I think previously um, our line-out has struggled, hasn't it? We haven't had much ball yeah. against France. Um and Scotland's we struggled there, so um, we need that really, that to improve. But I think Jake Ball um, make, make, makes a difference as well, doesn't he? Like he'll, he'll hit the ruck here and create quick ball for you and things like that. We need, we need like big ball carriers who can take it up to England, really. Yeah, the um, and also, I, I also think like um, I know he's been injured for a long time, but Josh Navidi, I think he's he's really um, important for uh, Wales. On Saturday, if, if he's fit, I'd check him straight in. I think he's been struggling with uh, concussion protocols, things like that. But yeah, I think he's one who can who can match England in the back row, the phys physicality they bring, and um, I think he, he's a, a must for Saturday. Yeah, if, he, if, if 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 he's fit, yeah, def definitely, definitely. But he's yeah, and, yeah. I, and also we struggle with me like with the, the scrum going backwards. I think. Uh, 
And uh, if, if that's the case, we're going to have to, like, Falatau is, is exceptional of um, picking up the scraps at the back of the scrum, isn't he? So he, yeah. I think um, if he's fit, he'll have to play as well with his experience. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely he's definitely got to come in. But obviously, they're not going to do wholesale changes. They're going to be putting back a lot of the old guard. But as you said, people like yeah. that, you know, Callum Sheedy, he was, I thought he was great. You know, um, Hardy, is, that's Rich Hardy's boy, isn't it? Playing scrum after? Richard Hardy, yeah, yeah. Played with Richard Hardy in Flandervry. So I don't know how we're... Uh, I was boys play for Wales because Rich couldn't pass either hand. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, no. He play, He was tum, tum, tumble, tumble boy, wasn't he? Pon a boy, he is. Yeah. So it's, uh, he's an exceptionally well in fairness, and uh, good luck to him. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, as he he did well. His 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 uh, his distribution was quick. Um, you know, obviously yeah. that, that, that got. I was Sheedy impressed me probably more than any any of them. His passing, you know, giving it, getting it yeah. to the centre so quick. Because when I've been yeah. watching Wales in the last two years, it's been so lethargic. It comes to bigger, you know, he either kicks it over the top or it's just so, you know, you could write the postcard and you know what he's going to do. Yeah, I think uh, Sheedy done his knee. He took it up to the game line. Yeah. And, that, and he asked questions of the Georgian defence. So it's, uh, I think that's what we need to do now. It's not uh, with a um, bigger play and a bit deeper. I think you need to play up, up, up in their faces and uh, take it to him, basically. Obviously, because he's 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 playing he's playing in England, and so is um, uh, so is Zamit. Have have you not seen much of them? Obviously, with playing. For- I, I, to be honest, with you I watch more of the English Premiership, and I do uh, the Pro 14 because uh, the Pro 14 is um, is 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 a dour, is, is boring. So I prefer watching. Um, the, the Premiership to you, so I've, I've seen a bit of them boys, yeah, yeah, they look yeah, good they've been, they've, been, they've, been, they've been tearing it up, obviously Sheedy could have played for England, he could have played for Ireland you know, he's, he's, yeah. chosen, you know, he's chosen to play for Wales, and as you said he's, he's got that, he passes really flat, and I think he's he's, he's unpredictable, which the, yeah. rest, the rest of the backs, which we've seen they've been really predictable in the last 12 months, you know, we've gone backwards, obviously Oh, definitely, I agree with that. And you've got another boy, the Cardiff Blues, who who's a similar player to Callum Sheedy. Is uh, Jared Evans? He's another good one, isn't he? So it's, uh, I think that's a, the the kind of ten that we need to be looking at. Who um, who does who is a bit off the cuff and does some something different because we need that, don't we? We haven't got that kind of X factor these days who can break break the break the game line now, do something different, basically, isn't it? No, yeah. not so all not so all robotic playing. He, to be fair, he reminded me because he's got he's got quite big legs. He had, he had his socks down. He reminded me of Carlos Spencer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of kicks that he did so, over the top. Yeah, he's got a vision, and everything. And uh, I've I've spoken to a few people, and um, they're really excited about him in the Welsh camp. Um, they 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 they're really excited about him. They think that he he could be the right future to him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What did you think of um, Ian's son, Ian's grandson, Jimmy Botham? <laughs> I was thinking there's someone else then. Yeah, the, the, he's, he's he's put on some kilos, isn't he, in the in the last few years? And um, yeah, he, I thought he had a good game, sound sound debut, didn't he? But uh, the, another one that the the, the um, talk about is Ollie Griffiths with the Dragons, the, the flanker. They, I think he was unlucky not to be called up because uh, Ollie Griffiths, sorry, he because um, the COVID restrictions, I don't think he, he could have been called up. So he's he's another um, hot prospect who um, who could have been called in, but. Yeah, both them. Um, yeah, he's good, didn't he? I, I, I was impressed him. He's big lump and uh, yeah, same as Shane, Shane Lewis, the blind side. He's another one who's done well since he's come in, isn't he? He's a bit of yeah, a beast yeah. himself. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, obviously so, he's only had four, he's only had fourteen. You know, he's only had fourteen starts to be able to come in. I think it was this. Yeah, I think it was on the back of because um, Warburton rates him highly, doesn't he? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we got abundance of uh, of choices in the back row, isn't it? We got plenty of depth there, so it's um, yeah. I think it's just the the only concern we got really is I think the, the centres we haven't, we haven't got really that great depth, have we? So it's uh, and I, I've been told that uh, John Fox is out for six weeks now with a knee ligament damage, so it's going to be a concern who's going to fill his position, really. Come, come in nicely onto that one. Um, I know yeah. this. I know this is a bit controversial for you, but um, jo- Johnny Blethyn, Reese Williams, uh, t- talk to me yeah. about him. Yeah, he, he's played for England and he already. So, in my opinion, he shouldn't be playing for Wales uh, at all. Um, I, I don't know when his rules coming in. This uh, I know he's got a grandfather or whatever who's, who's visited Wales I mean, before, but no, I, I'm not not in favour of it at all. To answer you. Um, Obviously, he's, brave, he's, he's by. He's, he's, he's represented England, so in my opinion, he, that's where he wanted to. He, he couldn't get any further games for England, so then he's come over here for a cheap cap. So, no, I'm I'm not for that at all. Sorry. Yeah, I I, I read up about him. Obviously, he was he was born in England, studied and lived in um, lived in Surrey, played all his all his rugby in England. That's got it under twenties, and obviously because he he only played against the Barbars, didn't he? Like an uncapped game. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I picked it up, but. I don't. Any proud Welshman, the, the dream is we play rugby is play for the country. And if I was ever good enough to play for my country and um, and then England said, do you want to play? There's no chance I'd play for England. Even if I knew I'd never play for Wales, it's, uh, it's, it's no chance. So it's, I, I just don't understand it. I think the sooner they bring in a six-year uh, residential, whatever it is, um, to play for you, to play, you've got to play in that uh, country before you play for Wales, the better, in my opinion. Yeah. To be to be fair, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I think, exactly the same. Obviously, my... You, 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 you cover for England now, do you? In your residential, you know, you play yeah. squash for England, so you know. No, no, no chance, no chance. I did. It's obviously, <laughs> but all, all, all my kids, obviously, they were born, they were born in England, but they, they, you know, they're half Welsh. And if there was ever a sniff of of um, of them being anything at at, rug, at rugby, then it, it would only be wearing red. Yeah, but yeah, if you're born in 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 England, and that's where you, you know you got. Then that you play for England, isn't it? But if what if you're born in Wales and um, then you go to England, that's fine, isn't it? But and, and then you play for Wales. But to me, it's Johnny, whatever his name is, Blair and Williams, just shouldn't be playing for Wales on on Saturday, <laughs> no. Okay, okay. Um, but, I, was, um... no, I was the same with um, was it the twelve Hadley Park. It was the same for me as well. Like, even though he'd done a great job for Wales, I didn't agree with that either. So yeah, I, yeah, I think we've you... got enough to pick our, our, our own boys. I mean, who, I'd rather pick. Someone lower down in the order who would uh, want to be there. Yeah, it's more, a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit embarrassing wearing the wearing the red top and then your press conferences in South African. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think he, didn't Johnny Williams just say that uh, he looks good in red and that's why he played for Wales and things. So yeah, that uh, that didn't go down well either. I don't think. No, 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 no. Um, Tompkins, he was, he's, 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 he's something else, isn't he? Tompkins, I think he's, yeah. he's, he's awesome. He started well, didn't he? And uh, in his first international, a couple of internationals, he looked the the, the real deal, didn't he? But uh, I think he, he's fallen off, um, fallen off that a bit at the moment. I don't know if uh, he's struggling with the move from Saracens to the Dragons, but uh, I think he'll start Saturday because of um, of John Fox being injured. So yeah, I think it, it could be um, two uh, born Englishmen, isn't it, playing in the centres on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What, be, I, uh, what I, what I, what I, what I, I didn't. Um... I would. I don't know how would I describe it. Um, for the first half an hour, he was he was playing as a flanker, 
every time. Yeah. You, you see him grab, grabbing onto the flanker, and or, you know, yeah. But it was over and over again, and then the ball was coming out, and you're missing the center, and that that went on. Yeah, he's not there, no, no. Exactly, yeah. went on for half an hour. I don't know if that's a tactic or thing like that, uh, because the, the weather conditions apparently were absolutely awful, but uh, and and they were a lot worse than they looked at uh, like on TV, but it didn't look like a good good tactic to me, like a. Uh, didn't look like we were going to break down defensive doing that, isn't it? No, no, ex- exactly, exactly. Um, bit yeah. harsh on Jonah Holmes not to be in instead of McNichol. I didn't stand Johnny Nichol. <laughs> Johnny Nichols a New Zealand coming in again, and he so I, I didn't agree with that. He's, he's been injured a lot. Um, just had one regional game and then come back in. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough luck on on Jonah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, and he looked good when he came on. Yeah, he did. Yeah, 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 he did. So did. Um, Johan Davis, there was a Johan Davis, a fullback of the uh, from Bristol. Oh no, Johan Lloyd. Yeah, Johan Lloyd. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. He he he's another one who's a um, good prospect as well, isn't he? Who's um, they hoping to come through? But, but yeah, be- as I said, we got plenty of, we got plenty of um, options here in the back three, isn't it? Like uh, I know uh, North has gone back to the Ospreys in the weekend. We got Liam Williams, you got Halfpenny, you got Zamet, you got uh, Josh Adams, who's who's on fine form, so uh, we've got plenty of options here, I mean, but... I, I, was la- I, I, I was laughing at the stats, I, I think, the, the back... Say again. Go on. I was reading something, though, that uh, I think uh, Liam Williams, he's got 12 stitches in his mouth, so I don't know how bad that's going to be uh, come Saturday, either. Well, the other thing I was reading about Liam Williams was the, the back line on Saturday had 58 caps between them, and Liam Williams had 56 of them. Yeah, strange, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Johan Lloyd. You're saying about Johan Lloyd. It's um, he's obviously he's. I think he, when he came on, he tried a couple of Hollywood passes, and I think one came off, one didn't. But I've watched a couple of his his club games, and he's he's yeah. he's, he's the he's. I haven't seen anybody in a Welsh jersey like uh, Jiffy John, Jonathan Davis ten. You know, yeah. he's he, he's just got he's just got it. He's just got it. He's got, he's got some. Fear. He's got some different about him, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've seen a few games from Bristol. He, he's got gas to burn as well, hasn't he? So it's. Uh, I don't think he'll play against England, but you know the the future's brighter and a back three there, isn't it? Because we've got plenty of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to comment much on the forwards because I don't know much about forward play. But the thing that I did notice again, whether it was the conditions or you you mentioned just now about England doing it. They 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 literally weren't committing more than two forwards to the breakdown no. all the way through, yeah, yeah, yeah. and quite a few yeah, times, yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, quite a few times the Georgians came through um, because they didn't have that extra that third body, and it, yeah. it happened a lot. Yeah, but I think England, I don't know. Yeah, they they they're such the the physical men, are they? And they just committing that two and just just dumping and, and fanning the field, and they they're just so hard to break down. They. they I read um, something today. They, they, that's all they concentrate in the next few months is working on the defence and defence, and then um, after the autumn internationals, then they're going to um, concentrate on attack more. Yeah. So obviously they're really focusing on not conceding any tries during the game, which so Wales are going to really going to struggle to break that defence. So uh, our friend Stephen Jones has got his uh, work cut out this week for the attack coach. He, he has, he has. Well, yeah, going on. Not be, not being totally biased to Wales. Obviously, talking about England. Obviously, you've got. Um, I think you're saying about them concentrating on their defence. They they've brought in uh, Anthony Watson's back, and I can't think of the yeah. second. It's the second person I can't remember. But obviously, if they've got him, Johnny May was outstanding again. 
Um, he's lightning. I think yeah. he's the only one in England rugby who's faster than Zamit, isn't he? So it's uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see two Gloucester boys against each other Saturday. I think um, yeah, what's the um, what were they? To- it was um, yeah, Josh Adams was saying it was a it was a toss up between um, Zamit and who was the um, who was the other quick one? There's two. There's two two guys right. that are faster than Josh Adams, and Zamit was you know was was one of them. Um, but, right, yeah, okay. but you got it. It Itoji was fantastic. Underhill is back because he was injured for a while. He's they just they're back, bro. Yeah, they they just. I I'd say you know if they if they played New Zealand now or the, one of the top top sides, and I think uh, you'd have to bet in England to beat them, isn't it? And uh, it's painful to say that as a as a proud Welshman, but uh, they're looking really good at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, but hopefully. They're peaking now and not ready for the World Cup again, which they've tended to do in the last two or three times. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. But as I said, it's uh, Wales, England, and uh, we can always uh, live in hope that uh, we can pull off a shock result as we've done in the past. And uh, our boys will just uh, up their game and uh, sort this um, our big defence out to get, so they don't break us as well. Yeah, that's what Eddie, Eddie Jones has said. Obviously, it's a bit of game playing and mind, mind games, but yeah. He said it doesn't matter what Welsh team you play. You always the Welsh are always up against up for it when they're up, up against. Yeah. and it's important for these Welsh boys as well because currently, how many Welsh players would you pick in the Lions side? Um, it's probably the Lions team at the moment. We picked up it must probably about ten to twelve Englishmen. So if these Welsh boys, our senior boys, want to get on this Lions tour, they better start playing well as well, isn't it? So it's uh, it's a big. These senior players have uh, got to start um, stand up to the challenge, basically. Yeah, obviously Ken's out at the moment. I I, um, I messaged him last week. His, sh- his shoulders healing nicely, but obviously he's out. He's out for a while. Um, and obviously sh- shoulder injury. February. It's 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 not a long time. You know, eight to ten weeks. No. And you're and you're a hooker. Yeah. Um, it's got to be hundred yeah. percent before he comes back in. And I thought the um, uh, oh do 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 who was hooker? Who was hooker? Well, it, it, Brian Elias. Yes. Yeah. And his um. Uh, obviously, again, you're looking at the conditions, but his um, he's throwing in the line. Now. Sorry. sorry, I thought you meant Ryan's played a few, a few games um, started neither recently, but uh, LAT started this Saturday against the Georgians, didn't he? But uh, I think it shows how much we've missed Ken, isn't it? And um, yeah, 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 he's been a big loss to Wales, isn't he? And his ball carrying, and I think his his leadership as well around the field and his experience, basically. Yeah, yeah, we missed the sheriff. We missed the sheriff. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. we have done. Predictions and give us, give us, give us a score. Heart or um, head? What do you want? Uh, head. <laughs> Forty-two, twelve. England. Do you think we're going to score twelve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm having a few drinks down in my bar on Saturday, so after a few drinks with with uh, a few boys, I think um, I might be thinking we could beat them. So I don't know. <laughs> I will always say we we got a chance, but um, I'll be cheating the boys on. But I think it's going to be a really difficult task. And I think, as I said at the start, if we keep them to a score, two scores, I think currently the people in uh, Wales, the Welsh probably be, be, would be pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of and course. maybe, and maybe just seeing the kind of more of a game plan that um, Pivak wants to play, because um, as I said, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, okay. Um, thanks for coming on tonight, Tim. It's been uh, it's been good to talk to you. We'll uh, we'll have you on again yeah. in the Six Nations in February. Hopefully, um, I'll be down the Wanderers in the summer for a beer. I arranged with uh, Kev to come down, but obviously the uh, the global pandemic got in the way. Yeah, yeah, no, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be good catch up, pal. It's been a it's been a while. Yes, no problems. I'll um I'll get in touch with you soon, pal. Thanks very much, Darren. Yeah.
and, and thanks very, very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you. No, no problems. See you soon. Right, moving on to Saturday night, boxing. Highly anticipated fight, two British heavyweights, both unbeaten. We'll have uh, Joe Joyce fighting against Daniel Dubois for the uh, British Commonwealth and European titles. So there's a lot at stake. Both fighters are unbeaten, as I said. Um, somebody's, somebody's always got to go. Joe Joyce, he took the bronze in uh, 2013 in the Europeans and again in the World Champs in 2015. He's a gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, he had the silver medal at the Olympics. He's turned pro at, a, at the late age of 30, 30 plus. He's had 11 wins from 11 fights and 10 of them have been by knockout. So he's got, uh, he's got the amateur pedigree. I mean, he's only had 11 fights and he's already 35. So time's running out. He needs, to, um, he needs to beat Dubois to move himself forward in the pecking order. Dubois turned pro pretty early. He's only 23. He has 75 amateur bouts. He hasn't had any major honours under his belt, apart from being the English school's champ. And he had a gold medal at the uh, multi-nations competition. Um, but he's had 15 fights and he's won them all. 14 by KO. Um, they're both six foot five, so they're both big lads. Joyce has got a slight reach advantage of an inch and a half. So that may provide Dubois with some... Uh, some different problems to his past opponents. He normally outguns his opponent with his jab. So Joyce will bring something different to the table. Maybe others uh, others haven't been able to. Obviously, his age is a is, is a, a benefit. He's 13 years, 12 years, 12 years younger than uh, Joe Joyce. So if it goes to the latter rounds, which I might think it, it will, maybe age will become a factor. So if we break down break down their professional careers so far, as I say, they both haven't had many fights. Um, Dubois taken a risk. He's taken a bigger risk. He's a young lad. He's only had 11 fights. He could easily take another three or four fights before um, moving up in class um, and going for a uh, world title. But he's chosen to take on, you know, a seasoned amateur with lots of lots of competition pedigree in Joe Joyce. Um, at an early stage in his career. We know Dubois a big hitter. So if we step back a bit and have a look at um, Joe Joyce's chin, um, Kuzman knocked him out uh, in 2012 in the European Championships. He um, Kuzman's turned pro since, and he knocked out David Price in four rounds. Um, so he's, he's, he's got a... He does bang a bit, but he lost on points to Michael Hunter back in September of last year. And he's fighting, he's fighting next week, in two weeks' time, December the 12th, against Martin Bacoli. Plus, Joyce has been knocked out again in the World Championships in 2013 against an unknown Algerian. Um, he's notoriously slow, a starter, Joyce is. So um, if Dubois lands a bomb in the first couple of rounds, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with Joyce's chin? So he's, he's got the form to be knocked out early on. So if he survives one of Dubois' bombs, then it could turn it on his head. He's um, 
the same his first 11 professional fights he's got a better cv than uh, dubois he's fought bermain stavane um, who he beat in six rounds last year he's an ex-world champ he went he took deontay wilder 12 rounds in his first fight so he's got um he's got staying power but joyce got rid of him in six and say he's an ex-world champion um probably more impressive he beat uh Brian Jennings, who went 12 rounds, um, and he's an ex -world, another ex-world champ. Jennings went 12 rounds with Klitschko, Vladimir Klitschko, in 2015, and he lost against Luis Ortiz in seven rounds. So he's um, he's got some pedigree. So he's, he's, he's definitely got a better CV, Joyce has. Um, he's... Um, Derek Chisora turned down some some big money to fight Joyce, as did Dave Allen, which is quite interesting. Because only a couple of years ago, Chisora went on to fight somebody else for roughly the same purse. But he avoided Joyce for whatever reason. So it looks like he's got um he's got a good engine on him. I was listening to um David Hay talking about him in training a few years back. And he said that he'll just come at you. He'll just come at you for 12 rounds. So we'll see if um, if Dubois can handle that. If we move on to Dubois, he hasn't had any, any world-class opponents. He beat Tom Little in five rounds back in 2018. And he was beaten last Saturday. Babich beat him in three rounds. He beat Little in three rounds. And Little looked in shape. Babbage is just a banger. And he got rid of him in a few rounds. So if that's any indication, Babbage looks like a bit of a threat to the uh, to the world scene in the next few years. His most notable opponent was Kevin Johnson, who Dubois beat on points back in 2018 in October. Johnson's been the distance with lots of top heavyweights. Vitaly Klitschko, Tyson Fury, Chisora, Manuel Jar, Kubrat Pulev, who's fighting AJ in a couple of weeks, Andy Ruiz. So Johnson's proven he's got good durability to go the distance. He's the only fighter to take Dubois to the, you know, all the way. Took him 12 rounds. Dubois beat him quite comfortably, but he couldn't get rid of him. But the interesting fact is AJ knocked him out in two rounds. It took him five minutes to get rid of Johnson. A few years back where's Dubois I couldn't get rid of him so on the face of it Dubois looks like he's got the power because he's knocking people out left right and center but when it comes to a durable heavyweight who's been in with the best he couldn't get rid of him whereas AJ put him away in two um, so we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see what happens on this one um, he's also fought Nathan Gorman did pretty well. He was unbeaten. But he got rid of Gorman in five. Again, Gorman wasn't tried and tested. He was an unbeaten British um, British heavyweight. So we'll have to um, wait and see. For me, it's a fight between a young, hungry and experienced fighter in Dubois who could easily knock out Joyce in round one. As I said, if Joyce doesn't turn up to the party um, for the first few rounds like he normally doesn't, then uh, he could be could be on his way out on his back but 
Dubois hasn't been tested yet, and this will definitely be a sternest test. And if I had to put money on it, I'd go, go Dubois early. And if not, if it goes past 5-6, then I'm airing towards Joe Joyce. It's a tough one. It's 50-50. There hasn't been a fight like this for a long time. I mean, both fighters are putting their putting their all on the uh, on the uh, in the firing line, but we'll have to wait and see. So, fifth um, of December, we've got. In fact, tomorrow night as well. I nearly missed out on this one. You've um, got two fifty-year-olds, Mike Tyson, who's fifty-four, uh, one of the one of the best heavyweights that's ever ever walked in the ring fighting against Roy Jones Jr., who is <laughs> is now fighting at heavyweight. Uh, he won the world title a few years back by putting on a few stone and beating Johnny Ruiz. But he was a middleweight. You know, he was a 12, 12 stone fighter, 12, 12 and a half stone fighter. Ruled the roost for 10 years back in the 90s, 2000s. Beat Bernard Hopkins in his pomp. And um, there's not a lot to can say. It's... Um, it's, it's pay-per-view, but nobody's allowed to be knocked out. There's no judges. There's no no scoring. And perfectly fair, there's no point. But maybe they need the money. Maybe they just can't give up on, on what they had in the past. They hung up their gloves a good few years ago. Jones, only a couple of years ago. Whereas Tyson, it's been a long, long time. And since then, he's put a few things into his body that he shouldn't have. Whereas Roy Jones has lived a pretty pretty decent life. He's, um, his diet looks like he's done pretty well because uh, I saw him interviewed not long ago with uh, Steve Collins, Kalazagi on the uh, Sky Sports. And he looked in great shape. So it's, um, it's, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Um, I sure won't be paying paying money to watch it, where a lot of people have, but it's just for the name. At the end of the day, it's plain and simple. They're 250 plus years old, and you, they can't do what they did 10 years ago, let alone 25 years ago. It's just a bit of nostalgia in this um, time of the pandemic, I think. Right, moving on to um, a couple of proper boxing matches. On December the 4th, we've got Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, he's fighting Martin Murray. Um, in my opinion, he should be fighting somebody in the top five. And then moving on to a big fight with Canelo Alvarez. But he's he's a bit of a enigma, is, is our Saunders. Um, like he's an excellent fighter. He's got fantastic boxing skills. But his, I think his skills on Twitter and in the public eye aren't... Um, Aren't great, so he's ended up fighting Martin Murray, who's at really at the end of his career. Um, he's had a very good career, but going to take his last payday. Um, so if we move on to Anthony Joshua, on the twelfth, he's fighting Kubrat Pulev, very dangerous fighter, only ever lost against Klitschko. Very inactive in the last few years with injuries, so we've got no idea what's what what what's going. He's going to bring to the party. The fight was called off at some point in the last twelve months because of Pulev's another of Pulev's injuries. 
So we don't know. We've got no idea how fit he's going to be. But ring rust may play a part. AJ hasn't fought for ages. So it's um it's it's, it's a tough one to call. Obviously, he looked very he beat he beat Huey Fury a while back. Pulev did. But it was it was lethargic. It was pretty boring fight, but he did he did pull through it. But this is gonna be, you know, another level, another level up for him. But you never know in the heavyweights. So it'll that'll be an interesting one. And then for me, the uh coming to the end of the year on the nineteenth of December, Callum Smith. Very big fight, lots of belts on the line, fighting at present the pound for pound. Number one, Canelo Alvarez. For me, he's number two behind uh, Terence Crawford, but he's uh, he's up there. He's been up there for years. He's had 50, 60 pro fights. Started at a very young age, the Mexican did. And he's fighting Callum Smith, Britain's own Callum Smith. Very tough ask. Um, Smith's got obviously got the height advantage. He's, he's, he's got the bigger frame, but... So did uh, so did Kovalev and Canelo moved up a weight or two weights to um to beat him. So I don't think size matters much to Canelo. Uh, I can't see it going more than six rounds if 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 Callum can keep him off with his jab. But I think Canelo's body shots will tire him and open him up. And I, my prediction on that one is that uh, Canelo should win that. Not, not at a canter. I think he'll find it hard in the first few rounds to, to get around the jab of of Smith because I, I, I think he's a few inches taller than him. But that'll be an interesting fight. That'll be a good fight. And then one that one that I missed out that's on uh, that's on next week um, is Errol Spence against Danny Garcia. That's going to be a very good fight. Uh, Garcia, I think, is. <sighs> I can't say he's coming to the end of his career because he's not that old, but he lost against Keith Thurman. And I don't think he's on the same level as he was when he when he won the World Championship, when he beat, beat Amir Khan, whereas Spence is, is in, in his prime. Um, the, only, the only doubt was he had a huge car accident last year and whether, he's, whether his body's recovered 100% from that because he was in a bad way. That's uh, something to be seen on the 5th of December. Um, hopefully he comes through that and moves on to probably the the biggest fight of 2021, which will be Errol Spence against Terence Crawford. That's if they can make the fight. Uh, it'd be a travesty if they don't. It's the, it's the biggest fight of the year. Spence's 30-odd fights, world champion, beating everybody that's come in his, in his past. Kell Brook as well he beat. And um, Terence Crawford, for me, pound for pound number one, you know, multi-weight world champion, 30, 30 plus fights unbeaten. Also, also beat Kyle Brook um, a couple of weeks back in devastating fashion in, in a few rounds. So you've got two top class fighters in their prime, both unbeaten. Doesn't happen very often. You know, too often we see major fights go by like Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather and they end up fighting when they're at the end of their career when you need to see them in their prime you know Amir Khan Kell Brook never happened would have been good to see five six years ago 
not at the end of their career like it's suggesting suggesting now needs to be done early and if this comes off next year it'll be the fight of the year just can't call it two fantastic fighters so hopefully fingers crossed that's something to look forward to in 2021 so that's the uh, that's the boxing done for this week um hopefully we'll see a good fight on on saturday night and um, the two British guys do us uh, do us proud. Uh, right, moving on to next week, we've got uh, I've got two people coming on the show next week. One's a female boxer, the PBC international silver champion, Nicola Hopewell. She's coming on the show. She's coming on the show to talk about the start of her career. She's only just had a few fights, um, unbeaten, looking good. And uh, we're going to talk to her about boxing, but she's a um, Sheffield United fan. So rather than bore her talking about her boxing career, which she, she probably does every week in different uh, different environments, we're going to we're going to have a chat with her about Sheffield United and how they're getting on this season, or how they're not getting on this season because they're they're bottom of the league at the moment. Um, and we've also got on the um, on the airways we've got Roy Burgess, who's British Lion, uh, Welsh rugby player, Llanelli rugby player. He was uh, he was in and around the the, uh, the team back in the nineteen seventies when Wales were ruling the world. So he's going to be on talking talking rugby. Uh, Wales England are on tomorrow, so we don't know who Wales will have next next weekend for finals day. That's all down to the game the game tomorrow but he's going to come on and have a chat about that and where Wales are looking for the future on their young crop of players coming through we saw a few of them playing last last weekend against Georgia so we're going to have a chat about that and uh, see how Roy is going okay that's it for today hopefully you enjoyed I'd just like to thank the guests for t- from today which were um, the Leeds fan from America Wayne Price Thanks for thanks for taking the time out to call in from the US. Uh, we had Paul Pickering and Carl Holding talking about the Spurs Spurs Chelsea game, which was uh, very interesting. And uh, we had Treaders, my sidekick. Thanks, Treaders. So um, see you all next week. Thank you very much. <laughs>